0: one in five Americans live with a mental health problem? (laughs) That means unless you live in a cave, you know someone personally dealing with these issues.
1: So join us and our special guests as we answer your questions, share real stories, and work to pull the curtain back on how stigma impacts our everyday lives and our communities.
0: We believe that making a real impact happens best with candid conversations, laughter, and tears. We are your hosts, Kaylee Murphy and Josh Moore, and this is Impact Stigma. Good morning, evening, or afternoon. Howdy. What's going on, Kaylee? You know, just living living life. New season. New season. We're back. We're back we got a good season this year. What? not you tell them a little bit about what it's about?
1: Yeah, I'm really excited about this season. We're going to be doing people's personal stories of different experiences involving mental health. I think that's going to be really, really awesome.
0: Uh, I think it's going to be fun on a different direction. Yeah. Sit down, conversation. Yeah, very personal. Very personal. I like it. But not too personal. Right.
1: As a therapist, you know, I'm into that sort of thing. Yeah, a little people's, bit. People's stories. Yeah. Yeah. But as long as they keep it interesting,
0: I don't want to fall asleep. Oh,
1: I'm sure we're going to keep it super interesting.
0: Well, we got somebody good today. Yes, we do. Her name is Monica Tucker. She works here at Frontier Health. Won't we welcome her, Monica Tucker?
2: Hi, Monica. Hi, hey, everybody.
0: So, won't you tell us a little bit about you?
2: I am a program coordinator at Turning Point, the Magnolia Ridge Division. It's a 28-day men's facility. I manage the staff. I have clinical staff and residential techs. I'm over the scheduling and the admissions of the program, so I kind of just help with the flow of the program. Make awesome. sure everything goes all right. Sounds like there is
1: uh, plenty of interesting things that go on in your world then.
2: Yes. Yeah. Um, I also moonlight in crisis too, so um, some nights I'll work crisis and do assessments.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, we have some really fun questions just to get to know you a little better before we get to diving into your story a little deeper. So, Josh, you have any
0: fun questions? I okay. All right. So, what is your favorite video game system? It's Sega.
2: My favorite video game is Sega. I love to play Sonic. Sonic, okay, oh, that's
0: a fun one. Yeah, Sega, that's a that's a throwback. I love it. What about you, Kaylee? Um, you know, my son got a Switch I not love too my long Switch. ago, and I'm into it. Those I'm signed so nice. to it. Yeah. The, they're saying the new Switch Two will be rumored to come out in September. Huh.
1: Well, yeah. we're behind times in the video game land, but yeah, it's, it's still me really about it. fun. Between
0: Mario Kart and Halo, that's what I love playing. Oh yeah, fun stuff.
1: All right, so. What is a skill you've always wanted to learn?
2: A skill that I've always wanted to learn is playing guitar. Oh. Yeah, me too. My husband can play it. My son can play it. I can't play it. (laughs) Um, My little girl, she's nine. She's learning to play it. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, you know, maybe we'll get on board together and we can teach each other. Right,
0: yeah. You can always take lessons, right? Yeah. I've wanted to learn. I've got my papa's guitar all tuned up, ready to go, sitting in my office, nice and pretty. Yeah. And i not picked it up once. <laughs> yes. I do play
1: guitar. Um, I don't claim to be great by any <laughs> means, but I can do some rhythm. I oh. can stick with you. So I'm there not you. a lead guitarist, but I can definitely
0: get some rhythm in there. Well, I got another question for her. Okay. So since the holidays are over, We're coming out of that. What was your favorite holiday tradition or activity?
2: My favorite holiday tradition is, well, we started it this year. We're going to the uh, cabin every year with my step-grandchildren and my kiddos, and we just played music. They all played music. So it kind of centered back to the music and playing guitar because they're all musicians and they can play. I can't, but Mm -hmm. I like the rhythm. (laughs) There you go. That sounds
1: really fun. Yeah. So, uh, Monica, what's your favorite kind of
2: weather? I would have to say my favorite kind of weather is actually the summer. I love going to the beach. Me too. I love the beach. I want to feel my toes in the sand. Yes. Very, I just want to see the waves. Yeah, very
1: <laughs> relaxing.
2: I'm, I'm with you. I'm a I'm a summertime girl.
1: I like it to be super hot. Like, I love to go outside and just pour the sweat. That's my favorite. <laughs> yes.
0: I think winter's mine. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow I knew that, Josh. Yeah, I Like to hike in the cold. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. You don't sweat as much. No, see, I'm all
2: about it. I'll be outside planting the flowers. Yeah. And just running around. Yeah, I love it.
1: As always, we strive for candid, open, and sometimes even humorous conversations here on Impact Stigma. So please remember this podcast is never intended to be a substitute for professional advice, formal diagnosis, or treatment for mental and behavioral health issues. If you need further assistance or have questions, please visit the Frontier Health website at frontierhealth.org for more info. If you, your child, or someone you know is having thoughts of suicide or experiencing a mental health crisis, you can now dial 988 and you will be able to speak with a crisis specialist right away
0: or go to the nearest emergency room. All right, welcome back everyone. Monica, will you share with our Impact Stigma listeners a little more about what you do for your job for Frontier Health?
2: Yeah. Um, So at Frontier Health, what I do is I'm a program coordinator at Turning Point. Right now, I manage the men's 28-day residential treatment center. Right now, our census is at 34, so we're always increasing opportunities for people to get treatment.
0: So what's the purpose of the treatment center?
2: To help them learn coping skills, help them learn a new way of life. A lot of clients come in and they have trauma. They have grief and guilt and shame and just helping them connect to the resources they need and what, they can do to enhance their skills because a lot of them come in and they have no idea how to even manage life. You know, just holding their hand and being there for them and just helping them evolve into recovery and not say an active addiction.
0: Absolutely. So is, is it just for people with addiction or can anybody come in or?
2: Um, we, you know, it's co-occurring. We have a lot of people with mental health disorders, depression, anxiety, um, schizoaffective disorder you know they come in to Magnolia Ridge for 28 days and in that time frame they're able to learn more about their mental illness they're learning more about you know the recovery why are they using mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and what they can do to make their life better
1: mm-hmm. yeah I love that I, I've had the opportunity to visit there and it's a really cool place yeah I love that so Monica I know that that you've had a lot of traumatic things happen as you grew up in your childhood Um, And I know these things can be difficult to talk about, to say the least. But if you don't mind, could you share some of that with us, your personal experience?
2: Sure. You know, I began experiencing traumatic events when I was 11 years old. I was sexually assaulted by a family member. And, you know, being a child and reaching out to your guardians and saying, hey, you know, this is going on, and having them ignore you about it, you know, it was very troubling. Oh, yeah. You know, being sexually assaulted, and I was introduced to drugs then when I was 11 years old yeah. he would give me drugs you know so that I wouldn't fight back against the assault Oh wow! and that just kind of planted a seed that was something that just grew with me I said oh this makes me feel good you know so I began like you know stealing medicine from my grandma's cabinet hanging around with wrong people you know and throughout my teens you know I began self-harming because you know when I couldn't find drugs it was easier for me to self-harm you know I live with those scars every day right however that's something that I've worked on you know in my previous marriage I was physically and emotionally assaulted on a regular basis it was it was something I hope that nobody ever has to go through I was introduced into the world of sex trafficking in my previous marriage you know in order for him to get his drugs it was putting me on the streets and me taking the money back to him and if I didn't give him the money I I got beat on oh my gosh wow that's That's terrible yeah Uh, I would have to say the The most traumatizing thing that lives with me still is when I was 23, my daughter, I got clean and sober for a little bit for my daughter's pregnancy, and one of the nights, he was in a rage, and he kicked me in my stomach, and my daughter was born, stillborn, at 39 weeks and four days. Oh, Monica. Mm
1: -hmm. Wow. That is so terrible. It
2: was was so traumatizing having to sit there and deliver my daughter, because I was in labor for several hours. Oh my gosh, I
1: cannot even imagine. I'm so sorry. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. I know that's not not an easy topic by any means.
2: Thankfully, that's something that I've worked on through therapy and my grief, you know, working on that helps you.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think therapy's for everybody. I mean, that's my opinion. I think Everybody can use therapy. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a therapist. Yeah. <laughs> I really believe that. I think everybody needs a space to be able to process things without somebody who uh, is kind of outside your family and friends. And they have that outsider perspective yeah. and your best interests in mind,
0: hopefully. So, yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all that. Hello, everyone. Like what you're hearing so far? Well, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button right now. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you, and we greatly appreciate your support. So let's get back to the show. So what was it like for you being involved in sports during your teenage years? Was anything helpful to you as a teenager when you were going through all these things? I
2: loved playing softball. That was my thing. Playing softball and playing the sports, because I cheered for a little bit too, but it would help me be involved and get my mind off things, you know? In the time frames that I was, I didn't use all the time, but in the time frames I was playing sports, I didn't use as much. Or it helped me as a coping skill instead of having to use drugs and self-harm. So yeah. it was, I loved it. Yeah, that's awesome. I think sports are so helpful for kids or
1: being involved in anything, really, that's a bigger part of your community, your school.
0: You know, it's just, it's great for Yeah, I played people. all the way through college. I mean, high school, get up at 6, work out, Yeah. go to school. Then work out, play football, go home to your homework. go to bed. I mean, didn't have time yeah. for nothing.
1: Right. It makes you a part of a, a larger thing outside of yourself. You know, you feel more connected, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. You, you know, you learn skills, too, there that are really big for life, too. You know, it teaches you to lose. Yeah. You know, and be okay with losing and yeah. getting better. and.
1: Definitely. So, Monica, where would you say was the turning point for you in your journey with substance
2: I would have to say the turning point was when I was sitting in Greene County Jail waiting to go to prison. I was sitting there, and I didn't have any skills or anything then to manage my cravings, but I knew in that moment that was the first time that I ever considered doing something different with my life Wow! instead of just running and escaping with drugs. You know, I got out, and then I ended up going to treatment. And sitting in treatment, I realized, you know, I'm worth it. You know, I have— the confidence to where I can do something different in my life and not have to worry about numbing myself with a substance.
1: Absolutely, that's that's a big, powerful statement. How old were you when you were in Greenville? I was twenty-five. Well, that's awesome. I uh, I think sometimes it takes something huge like that to to cause people to have those thoughts of maybe I could do something different. You know, to, to make yeah. that change. My life doesn't have to be this way. Yeah. Right?
0: Yeah. That's so awesome. You get to a point where you're just like, this is got to be different.
2: Yeah. I, I was sick and tired of being sick and tired, being away from my family, not seeing my kids. Right. You know, just not being who I really wanted to be.
0: Right. Yeah. It sounds like Willow Ridge and the staff there had a profound impact on your life. Absolutely, they did. So what do you feel ultimately led you to go into mental health field yourself?
2: I would have to say it was my experience at Willow Ridge. And then my experience with DCS and getting my kids back. So at Willow Ridge, I was able to see, like, how compassionate the staff was. And my therapist helped me work on so many things that I just numbed for so long. Mm -hmm. And she had hope in me. And she helped me learn to be confident in myself.
0: How did you get to Willow Ridge? I actually
2: called and got in myself. Um, I knew it was a legal requirement from probation that I needed to do it. But I called them and I said, hey, you know, I need to come to treatment And so my husband now was in the DOM at the VA, and I said, okay, let me just go. And I went, and I called him and went in with very low expectations. I said, you know, I still had that doubt where, you know, I'm not going to, it's not going to work. You know, I'm still going to use. But, you know, going in and learning all of the coping skills and seeing all the women come in from the community, Mm -hmm. and I was like, you know, they're just like me. I'm not alone in this. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, It always helps, I think, to have other people surrounding you that you know support you and care for you
2: yeah because growing up you know I didn't have any of that you know right I felt like I didn't even have a voice and then nobody would hear me if I did and then being in treatment and all these supportive people in my life it was like you know they hear me and they're here for me
1: yeah that's absolutely yeah that's huge so can you share uh, some of your accomplishments with us since uh, being in long-term recovery
2: yeah being in long-term recovery you know I got a job in the place that I wanted to. I always said I was gonna work at Willow when I was in there. Yeah. And I said, like, I'm gonna go there. And you um, did it. I did it. That's I know. Awesome. Now you run the whole thing.
1: <laughs> I know. Who would have thought? That's <laughs> so awesome to go from, you know, being in treatment there to being basically the, the, the head, head of the guru place. Reason, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's that's pretty fantastic. I love that. Well, I know you've had great success at MAG and Willow. What other accomplishments have you had on this journey
2: I was able to get custody of my kids back wow that was the that was the big one I went enrolled in school and got my bachelor degree and my master degree in social work wow yeah that's fantastic Um, I was on the president's list so that was something that I never thought I could accomplish (laughs) yeah it's huge I also throughout the company you know I got awarded the healthcare hero award and that kind of made me feel really good about, you know, I am making a difference in the community because, you know, sometimes it's easy to get lost and think that, you know, you're not making a difference. So that was a really good reminder that despite all the stuff that I went through in my life, I can do whatever I set my mind to.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a huge accomplishment. Congratulations. I mean, you have just really inspired me personally. I think it's just awesome when people can completely turn their life around and and really get into the field and, and make a huge impact like our podcast, Impact Stigma. <laughs> I know, <laughs> yes. that's a point. But really, I know. I'm, I'm connecting it now. But <laughs> 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 but yeah, I think that's, that's amazing. Thank you for
2: sharing that with us.
0: Are there warning signs parents can look out for when it comes to concerns with their teens using substances?
2: Absolutely. Uh, looking to see if your child's isolating, if they're withdrawing from things that they normally excel in. You know, if their behaviors are abnormal. You know, a change in behaviors is a really big indicator and warning sign being mindful of how your child changes in something that they don't typically do.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things, too, I think, as a parent. You have to be connected Mm -hmm. to your child to notice those differences. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Monica, I know you've overcome so much in your life, and you have a vast knowledge about substance abuse. So if our listeners are concerned with their own substance abuse or the substance abuse of a loved one, what advice would you give them?
2: If they are struggling with their own substance use, mm-hmm. I would remind them that, hey, you're worth it. You know, you are capable of overcoming this. There are options out there for you. Reach out. Get help. Absolutely. If somebody's struggling to connect and want to address it with their loved one, you know, non judgmental listening and being supportive, that will come a long way. You know, sometimes people just want to know that somebody's there that cares about you and they're willing to listen and help you.
1: Absolutely. I think that's a big thing to talk about, too, It's you know, so many people are, are so concerned and about their loved ones when they're using substances. But often it does come off as as I'm judging you or I'm really, really pushing you to get help. And, and it comes from a place of love most of it the does. time. But I think for the most part, like you said, just being there and saying, you know, I'm here for you. If you want to get help, I'll help you do that. You know, just being very supportive so if people are listening right now and they they are struggling and they need help who should they reach out to
2: they can call the 988 number or they can text it to talk to somebody who can help them through their crisis or help them help direct them to treatment also turning point you know we have a walk-in center that is open 24 7 that people can come to mm-hmm. and seek treatment if that's something that they need
1: yeah and that's in Johnson City Tennessee for more local listeners. Great resource there in nine eighty eight. So Monica, one last question. If you could step into our shoes on this podcast, what would you have asked yourself that we didn't ask?
2: I think that I would ask maybe how has your addiction and your recovery impacted your relationship with your children?
1: Oh, no, that's, that's a, a good great one. question. Okay, so now we're asking you that same question.
2: Okay. All right. Um, I was so worried that it was gonna impact them in a negative way. However, it's influenced my teenagers, especially, to stay away from drugs and let me know if, like, somebody has a vape or if they see something abnormal with a friend. My boys are at the Boys and Girls Club. They were doing, like, a panel for substance use and awareness. You know, so them seeing me role model, being in recovery, helps them be more confident in saying no, and it Mm -hmm. brings more awareness to them of the do's and don'ts, like stay away from drugs.
1: Absolutely. That's a great point. I think it's... Mm. As a parent, modeling is so, so important. You know, I work with a lot of little kids in in my line of work, and I always tell parents, you know, they'll say, I get so frustrated or I get so angry. And I say, that's the point when you say, I'm feeling frustrated or I'm feeling really angry. I'm going to go take a break. Yep. You know, it's great to model that for kids. Like, I'm going to walk away right now. Yeah. I'm not going to have this huge reaction, right? So it's the same same in that scenario. Love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Monica, and and for thank sharing. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah thanks thank, for coming. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for sharing your story with us. I know that that's no easy story to tell, but man, what things you've overcome! I mean, that's just amazing to hear about. Um, we're so honored to have you on our show. For our Impact Stigma family, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Impact Stigma, and we thank you for
0: continuing to tune in. Yeah, don't forget to like, share, subscribe. You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and iTunes.
1: Yeah, we can't wait to spend time with you all again soon, and thanks for continuing to help us make an impact.
0: And Amazon Music. Oh, and Amazon <laughs> Music.
1: <laughs> thanks. I guess. Stigma can help make mental health problems worse and even stop a person from getting the help they need. Untreated mental illness places an enormous emotional and economical burden on our communities. Economic burden alone is in the billions and directly affects all of us. We all play a crucial role in creating a mentally healthy community, one that is inclusive, rejects discrimination, and supports recovery. For us at Impact Stigma, this is way more than a podcast. It is about igniting our communities, sharing our stories, and working together with listeners like you. We invite you to find out more about Impact Stigma on our website at impactstigma.com. One way you can make an impact right now is by sharing our podcast with your friends and family because you never know when something we talk about might be the reason someone you love asks for help. Mental illness is not a personal failure. We can't do this without you. So if you feel inspired to get involved, first, subscribe to this podcast. Then go visit our website, impactstigma.com, and watch the video on how you can become an impact maker. Thank you for listening to Impact Stigma. We are so grateful you chose us. We wanna thank our guest again for sharing your impactful story and doing your part to impact stigma. Join us next time as we enjoy some laughs and hear impactful stories. Until then, this work needs you to go make an impact.